Well, this isn't going to be as much fun as we would have hoped. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review for another week. It's James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Australia Fan Network. Adam, how are we? Well, it's, uh, it's actually been a rollercoaster. I think uh, some good positive news on Monday with the Academy, but wow, did we come crashing back to earth with a thud with that performance last night. It's not good. Scott? Not good I don't even know where to start. Well, I really don't know where to start with this one. Well, it's a good thing you're not hosting yeah. then. Let's get started with... well. What happened last night, which was a, probably the lowest point for the Brisbane Raw we've seen in a fair few years now, where they lost the Asian Champions League qualifier to Filipino side Serios Negros 3-2 in what was a, just an absolutely shocking night at QSAC, where none of us saw this result coming. No, look, you know, at the end of the day, look... The beautiful thing about football is that sometimes, you know, you expect to inspect it. And look, and the f- first things first, congratulations to Sarah Negros. They, they, came with a, they came with a plan. They came sort of, you know, with nothing to lose. And, you know, they, they've been ultimately rewarded. But, geez, you know, Brisbane Raw were, were poor. That's, that's, there's no other way to you can't You can't spin it. You can't screw code. They were poor last night. I, I would dare say that, you know, there are... A lot of players, there's a lot of coaching stuff, a lot of admin stuff at Ballymore's when they were hurting this morning because of that. Scott, yeah. it, so Brisbane, yeah. bad, Ceres, good, or as Grandpa Simpson would say, a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> We've well, got to have some fun with probably this. probably the latter, but I will start with Ceres Negros. They were, they were really good. They came with a clear tactical plan of sitting back and hitting the raw on the counter-attack, and it worked an absolute treat. I mean, Vidakovic, the coach, must have, must have really done his homework on the raw because he... His plans work perfectly to let the Raw push onto them and try and break them down, which they have shown no capability to do this year, really. And then it falls over the top again for the Raw. Yep. It's the second or third time this year that's cost them. Well, from our so vantage it's a point... tactical masterclass, actually, from him. Yeah, from our vantage point, like it was quite clear that it was going to be one of those David versus Goliath-style games where Seros yeah. put you know six, seven, eight guys behind the ball at any point in time and said... Bring it on. Yeah, it worked a treat for him, though. It's not the sort of football I personally enjoy watching, but you've got to give him credit. It worked for him. Well, the, what I always say is, if it's effective, you've yeah. got to enjoy it. I mean, yeah, we've yeah. all criticised people like Jose Mourinho, but in this situation, what else was there to do? Look, at the end of the day, you know, when, when you go in with, you know, where everyone's basically written, written them off, like they were with the bookies, yeah. $26 to win. Yep. Last night, so congratulations if you picked it. And a few, there was a few dummy bets that actually did get up. So I hope you spend your money wisely. <laughs> Thank but look, you for the contribution of... to my Christmas bonus, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with, with that, with that said, look, that's always the, the the most the most feared thing to watch is that you know what they came in with with nothing. They, we we watched the game, Scott and I. We watched yeah. the game uh, against Shane United the week before. That was not the same it was side. A totally different performance. Because wasn't it? I I think I think being the underdog. Yeah. Actually, works them. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, Tianjin Quanjian, they better watch out because you know if they if they go in the same sort of complacent attitude as what we think the Raw did last yeah. night, and what we they're going to be just last year as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, just on that game last week, I actually know they played a more possession style game where they kept the ball, tried to create openings. It didn't really work for them. This time they sat off, and it worked much better for them. I think Adam's right. That's yeah. the well, be- that's their best tactic in the Champions League. Well, that might have been because they saw themselves as equals yeah. to Shane United, yeah. whereas they. 
you know, came in as underdogs, saw themselves that way, and capitalized on it to perfection. So what we're going to do now, we're going to hear from the coach of Serres Negros, Risto Vidakovic. Yeah, he, I think uh, after the game, I can say that uh, I'm really proud of my players, especially because uh, we are still not prepared for this kind of games. And we can see in the last 20, 15, 20 minutes, the intensity get down. So, but I think we, I can be proud of them because uh, they, they play 90 minutes, uh, they fight, and uh, I think we deserve, we deserve the win. So obviously a very happy coach there. He's got to be feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, look, he was, he's quite happy. Like, I think, you know, he did say, you know, it was a bonus. And, you know, I think, you know, when you go in that mentality and you get rewarded, a bit, bit similar mm. to what, like, what, what Brisbane Reward did 12 months ago when they went to Shanghai Shenhua, they given no chance whatsoever. And, you know, there, there's, there's some joy in that achievement. You know, obviously, like, almost conquering, I wouldn't call it Everest, yeah. but, you know... For so them, it probably would be. For them, well, yeah, look, and that's the thing is, uh, like, what it does for Filipino football as well, I think you know, that it, it's a big moment for them, you know, and put that aside, but it is a low point for us. You saw the scenes after the game with their celebrations on the field, how much it meant to them, given what's happening in their football at the moment. It's a big moment for them. Absolutely. What really stood out for me was just how they, as we mentioned before, the Balls over the top to the flanks, and just those two wingers that they had. I'm trying to double check the names, it was Bienvenido and who else was there? There was number nine at the end, Takumi Uesato. Those two guys were really dangerous. Just yeah. yeah I think Mike. I think Mike Ott was the uh, the other winger doing the damage on the other side from memory. So and yeah, and yeah, Stephen Schrock you yeah, know, coming through the middle. So I was so. going to mention he was really yeah. Good he gave the roar a real shock. <laughs> As Scott okay, just looks pun, on. Pun number one for the day. Yep. All right, so we've got to go on to the roar now, and we're going to start off with a quote from John Aloisi at the press conference when he was asked, what happened? Uh, exactly what you said. You know, we, uh, I didn't think the boys were, you know, ready from the start when you look at it, that uh, they, obviously, they underestimated them. I know I didn't. I know I analysed them watched them and knew they were a good team, knew they could cause issues, cause problems. But, uh, you know, we even when we went 1-0 up, it just, the players must have thought they were going to cruise through that game. You can't cruise through any football game. You have to make sure that you're prepared and ready for everything. And, um, you know, we were shifting the ball too slow, making it too easy for them. Um, and then, you know, they weren't really causing us any issues, but, they, it's, it's, you know, you can see it off a set piece, which is poor fall asleep off of it then another long ball that's a nothing long ball and we don't deal with it and then another set piece and then uh, you know we weren't good enough after to come back into the game so Aloisi is obviously not happy with that and rightfully so because <laughs> he just I, I yeah. trying to work out what to make of this well- He's obviously blaming his players there a fair bit, but I think he has to take some responsibility off because he did pick this team. And he should have, he, I think if there was complacency in the group, he should have seen that coming. But also, his substitutions. I mean, this is not a pre-season game. You don't make two changes at halftime to just get players' fitness and freshness just because you can. Those substitutions, that co- that, that, sorry. That's what cost him here mm. because last year that's fine when you're up 4-0 against Global. When it's one all and you're in a tight game, those substitutions are, are critical. Yeah, so those... sort of break two chances at half time, taking off an important player like Brett Holman. I mean, that's 
I know you've got to manage his minutes, but you might have to say, we need you for a bit longer out here. See, I could understand it if it was one half-time yeah. change. Not two. Yes, because as the game went on, so Ceres went up in, what was it, the 75th minute? Just um, frantically looking. They, no, 65th. 65th minute, yeah. Yep. So, sorry, we're just looking back through our notes from last night, now trying to go through the rabble, but 65th minute, you're sitting there thinking, there's one change to go. Like, you could have brought, you, he brought Shannon Brady on, you could have argued he could use Gamero as well, but you can't bring him on because you've wasted a substitution at halftime. So, yeah, there's a lot of criticism to go around for this performance. For me, yeah. it actually starts with Massimo Macaroni, yeah. the guy, the marquee mm-hmm. striker leading the line who got a goal in the 35th yeah. minute, but I felt was it's largely anonymous. He's very good at getting on the end of things when players set him up. But if when they're not doing that, he doesn't do anything. He just walks around the field. Or in some cases, stands there. I think it's he needs to offer more up front when the, when things aren't going right. And there was that moment in stoppage time from Macaroni as well, where was it him that just stuck an yeah. arm out and conceded a foul? I'm going to get onto that later, but yeah, that was him. Yeah. Oh, look, um, just going those reflecting those halftime changes to me that that to me again at one all that to me did let off where I think there's that complacency and arrogance because there was a thought that why why would you bring I know he John and Lucy said it in the, you know that. Yeah, he had to manage minutes. He wanted to give Jade North some time. But at one all, why would you take off Daniel Bowles? Like, what was the need of, of why going... Why change the defender at yeah, one all? Yeah, at one all. Like, that's, that's the thing is. That, that, that's, that substitution... I know and I know he said that, oh, he wanted to give Jade North minutes. But you're right. If we were 4-0 up like the script was supposed to go, I get it. But in one all in a live game, I, I almost think... I'm almost certain that they thought, oh, you know, uh, sorry, Saras Negros... We'll run over them in the second half because yeah, we'll, they're not we'll fit run over them because yeah, they're not as fit as us, they're not as skilled as us. And you know what? They, they, they punched us in the mouth and that's where the game was lost, right there. Absolutely. And it was really a second half that just everything mm. went wrong. Yep. Yep. And we're going to touch on now Eric Bortiak, who was a second half substitute. And Want to talk about the goals first? All right. Because the defending for the goals was disgraceful. I mean, two set piece goals. That's that's ridiculous. Something is clearly wrong there. Yeah. That, to concede one from a set piece is bad. Two is just unacceptable. And the second goal, the one ball over the top. We've seen that before. That's very similar to the second goal per scored in December. Do you remember the one? Yep. Long yeah. ball over the top, Kyoto Castro, for this winner. Yeah. It's very similar to that. I mean. There's well, some issues at the back that need fixing. Although, admittedly, you've got to give uh, Bienvenido... Oh, he was, right. he was like, that well. was a fantastic finish as yep. well. Like yeah. That was quality, yeah. getting it into the far side netting, yeah. but, you know, should he have even had the chance? He's got to defend Bedlam on that, really. Yeah. Yeah, so, not great. And then, yeah, then there was a set-piece goal yeah. as well to make it 3-1. And then, yeah, Bortiak was off the field. It was just absolutely bizarre. So the numbers we saw on... Mm. We actually first noticed it on Franich's jersey yeah. where the number was peeling off there and apparently it was happening to Jamie Young yeah. as well. It was Jamie Young as well. And then Bortiak was told to leave the field because the 22 was starting to come off. Um, look, it's it's unforgivable. It's unforgivable. Um, and look, the club has come out and apologised unreservedly for it. And look, <laughs> at the end of the day, look, there's not much else we do. That it on look, that game went around Asia and all that. It, it around the world, really. That image. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, they, it actually did on social media. It actually reached the UK and whatnot. So that that is an image that will soil uh, the Brisbane Raw for a very long yeah. time. If, and look, it's it's not good. It's cheap. It's what what I guess staggers me is that is that 
they've known about this game for six months. That they're going to play someone. Why do they go on the cheap and get on like a on... last minute? Do- yeah, it's, job, it's, it's it? if yeah. I understand if they were in, say, for example, Saras Negros' position, think, oh, we've got a game next week. They've known about this tie for six months. Know about it for a year when they qualified. Oh, yeah, even more. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. But the case is, why did they go and like go? Why, why couldn't they engage with Umbro more and actually get proper, you know, trade even for one game? One, maybe two games. Why do they not? This is, this is. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on it later on, but I think this is systematic for a bigger problem. Yeah. And, now, and this, mm. like I said, everything, all the wax they've been copying yeah. sort of around the league, that fully deserved because that was disgraceful. Yeah, I can't use the word I'd like to use to describe that, so I won't, but I will mm. say, Simon Hill was talking about this is the worst day for the Raw ever. I think it's right next to that 20 minutes down on the Gold Coast. Boxing Day 2010. That's the last That's It's, it's right there with that. That 20 minutes in the second half where... Yep. Everything fell apart, literally, is as bad as the 20 minutes on the Gold Coast in 2010. They're right, they're equally awful. The result, yes, that, you know, deserves plenty of criticism. However, there is an awful lot of hyperbole going on, Mm. especially surrounding the admittedly, Mm. uh, you know, unacceptable application of jersey numbers. But how often do we see that in other sports? And how often do we see it happen in football? I don't think I've ever seen it happen. I've seen it plenty. Um... Yeah, ripped jerseys and yeah. whatnot. I've seen ripped jerseys. I've, seen, I've never yeah. seen numbers peeling off the back of a shirt before. Watch a bit of rugby. Hmm. No, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, and I think I've even seen it in Aussie Rules yeah. from time to time as well. Like, yeah. yeah, you want to go and say, oh, this is embarrassing. And mm. look, have at them for losing because, yeah. quite frankly, they should not have lost. Like, go back to our Sunday show. We were all expecting a big win and there was a lot no, of... I, comfort- think, I think I used the word comfortable. Yes. Yeah. But... And it was comfortable after 35 minutes. All right. That was a comfortable eight minutes. Again, that's yeah. another thing, by the way. Conceded eight minutes after they scored. That's exactly what they did against Perth, twice. The minutes are almost identical. Mm. So there might be something else to look at there. Mm. And All right, so we're just going to close off this segment. Uh, we'll start off with a quote from John Aloisi about did you sense it coming after Scott asked his question in the press conference. No, I didn't get a sense in training. No, the, it, was, it was a quickish turnaround anyway, so we didn't get that sense. We just made sure that they prepared right for the game um, but you know it didn't seem like when they uh, started the game that they were, they were switched on um, and then after it's hard to, to you know just flick the switch and, and, and turn it on um, so I didn't get that sense I didn't even get that sense before the game only when the game started that you, you're trying to, to get them going and and making sure that they do the right things um, because you know we could have got caught pretty early on on the counter-attack and you know, that's what they were waiting for. They were going to defend deep, make it difficult for us, and then try and catch us out. And this is actually what the Saros coach had to say about possible complacency creeping into Brisbane's team. Yeah, it can be. It's not easy to motivate the players when, when you play against uh, smaller clubs. It's a normal thing. I think the, the players, even, even if they know the importance of the, of the game, they, they want to qualify for the Champions League, but they know they are playing against Filipino club and... They cannot be 100% motivated like us. So I think that makes the difference today. So obviously two very different ends of the spectrum there. Scott, what did you make of that? I kind of agree with something John Lucy said. I don't think he took them lightly because he filled with a full-strength side. That's basically, apart from maybe Bochak starting, that's about as strong a Brisbane Royal team as you can field. So I don't think the coaching staff underestimated. Maybe some of the players did, I don't know. But certainly it was a strong team. You can't argue with that. Well, 
it was billed as a very attacking lineup because yeah. you've got your two marquees starting in yeah. Macaroni and Holman. And Dane Ingham is an attacking fullback as well. And so is Jack Hingett. Yeah. So obviously there was a plan there to attack, but unfortunately it just didn't work out. Yeah, look, that's, that's, that's probably the most um, disappointing thing. And look, I'm, I'm actually surprised that not more hasn't been made about the decision to um, exclude uh, Thomas Christensen from the squad. I Look, to be honest, I don't think... I don't think he would have made much difference if, if it had gone to if it had gone to plan. I don't think it would have. I think it's but I think in the situation yeah. in the game situation, yeah, I think ha- having him marshalling the back, you yeah. know, in front of the defence that might have cut out a lot. Especially you know we're talking about um, given the midfield didn't, the midfield didn't I reckon, work so well last night. Yeah, yeah. I reckon yeah, Mitch Oxborough was yeah he was he wasn't very effective. Sorry, Matt I, I think into that mix too, by the way. Yeah, and I think if they had a controlled shock. Yeah, you know, which is Christensen's job. Maybe there might have been another outcome, but look, that's here nor there. That's you know, it is what it is. Stuff. Yeah. So going through the final, let's just say ten minutes. So starts okay. off with the Bortiak goal. Did you think there was any chance of a second at any point in time? I did say it would be peak Brisbane Raw of old if they had to come back from there, but not really. It wasn't really. They weren't. Oh, they had a lot of possession, but they weren't any clear cut chances, really, were they? Look, I, I had, you know, I have to admit, I had some hope, but it was fleeting at best. Yeah. Um, I, I think that goal, the goal was almost like false hope. I think, you know, it actually, to be honest, 3-2 actually flattered Ceres Negros a little bit. I thought they, I, that was the golf, you know, up until that goal, that they were clearly in control and you knew then. I think I think some of the, some of the uh, fans, the 1,200 or so that showed up, I think a few of them, Left about the fifth yeah. minute anyway. By the way, Adam, good job getting the uh, yes. crowd guessing competition correct. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there was a bit of a sweep pool. going around the media yeah. box last night about that. And we should thank the Raw for teeing that up for us as well. Yeah. yeah. On the record. But you mentioned the goal the last 10 minutes. I want to mention a lack of discipline. How many needless, stupid fouls were there that were just. Was there seven yellow cards for the Raw? One, two, yep. three, four, five, seven. Yeah. yeah. Along with the. You ain't mentioned the macaroni incident where he just shouldered the guy for no reason in injury time. I mean, can we show some discipline, please? Yeah. You're chasing the game. Stop giving away needless fouls. That uh, really gets on my nerves, that. I know I've mentioned it before, but... Well, consider this. Out of the seven yellow cards, four of them came in the 70th minute or later. Yeah. After they were That's two goals down, basically. So they've just lost their heads again. And Frustration is one thing, but don't take it out like that. Play the game. Yeah. Well, I yeah, noticed I know. early... That's not the, that's not the mm. raw way to do, carry mm. on like that. Well, I noticed early in the second half there was a lot of frustration creeping in, probably because there was a bit of an expectation but there that... was that big confrontation just after halftime with Franich and a couple of the other players as well. Yeah, so... <laughs> I think you might say that Saras Negros got the better of that little confrontation. Yeah. That's that's actually probably the, one of the more disconcerting things as well, is that, you know, that they actually... It's like the Raw sort of stopped playing almost because of that, um, that sort of confrontation. And they actually came out of that the better. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the first time that we've seen interruptions, distractions or something in the game and all of a sudden the Raw are on the, on the yeah. uh, worst end of it. Yeah. But you know what? The one thing that I always remember about the Asian Champions League is the fact that when you see a team with you know a one or two goal lead late in the game, there starts to be a lot of play acting. I didn't... No, I didn't really. notice a lot of that. Like it was actually a case of, yeah. let's just close this game. They ran out. the ball into the corner once in stoppage time. That was it. Oh, but no, there was no home. like rolling around on the ground <laughs> yeah. like you've seen with other mm. Asian teams. No, there was none of that. Yeah, some of the biggest clubs in Asia. Yeah, adopt that. Sort no, of. look, there's a lot. There's a lot to like and a lot to respect of that. You know, I know for us, uh, it's it's a sort of a, it's a almost a dark day. I I say with the utmost respect. But uh, and that, that's overshadowing a lot. But look, there's a lot to like about Saras Negros. And you know what? I think. 
a lot of people will be hoping they can do the job again seven, in six days' time against Tian, Tian in Tianjin. Yes, well, I think we're going to close off this segment by saying best of luck to Sarah mm. next week. I think you've won a fair few fans with your display here. So, yeah. all right, there's still a lot more to unpack from this Champions League game, but we need a little bit of a break, so we're going to come back and discuss it later. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Uh, I'm not sure, but we'll have to go look at the um, the video of the game and reassess and be objective about the game and then uh, look at our next game, which is Central Coast. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review segment two. It's James Scott and Adam here, and that was Jamie Young in the mix zone after the game last night. Adam, right. What was going on with Jamie Young? He didn't seem happy at all. No, look, and uh, I, look, I think that's reflected. And one thing I want us to say in the fallout as well from social media is that if you fans out there for a second think that that they're in the office of Baymore today or you know, laughing up, thinking they're having a great time, you've got to be sadly mistaken. What, what kind of human beings are you? Like, they, these guys are... Is anyone Jamie... really thinking that, though? Well, would, yeah, judging by some of the tweets, I think they think they, they are. Because the, the way this, the, the full frontal attack has been from those who have agendas, I think, I think they actually think that they think it's all a joke. Now, that, that, that quote from Jamie Young, and, he, and just the truth be told, yeah. that was probably about, I reckon, an hour, hour after the game. After minimum, the game. Yeah. And he was still shattered. He was really shattered. Now, and look, we've, got to thank, we've got to thank Jamie Young for actually you know, fronting up, actually talking to us yeah. in the mix zone last night. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. clearly shattered last night. And, and like I said, he probably, of all, was probably other than conceding three goals, is probably least to blame. He's been one of the world's better players this season. Yeah, and this clearly does mean something for a lot of guys, even if it is just boiling down to the fact that a lot of these guys are looking for a job next year, so they need to put together as many good showings as they can because... Well, they're running out of time. Yeah, that's it. You took the words right out yeah. of my mouth there, Scott. <laughs> so... You can't have him back. This segment, we're going to focus on the fallout from that. And Aloisi actually said after the game that there are going to be changes. And this is actually what he had to say after that. Oh, look, there's, there's always pressure on a coach. And I answered this question earlier. Um, someone, uh, Nick Narrative from Fox Sports, uh, said, well, you know, there'll be a lot of talk. Is it time for you to leave? I won't walk away. I don't give up. There'll be changes. That's for sure. Changes within the football club and changes uh, within our playing squad. Um, if uh, the people up above want, us, uh, want something different and they don't think that I'm the man to take them forward, then they'll make that call. But I won't walk because, uh, you know, we had one of our best nights last year in Shanghai, Shenhua, uh, in China, and I was part of that. Um, I was part of a side that should have won the, the Premier's plate on the last day of the season. Um, so... I know that uh, there's work to do. I know that we're, we're working towards uh, making sure that we're prepared for next season and we've still got this season to play for and we have to make sure and the players have to make sure that uh, every time they step out onto that football pitch that they're ready to go because if they want to be here, um, I'm more than happy for these players to be part of it. But if they don't, then you know, they, I'm sure that next year they'll be different. That's a very defiant John Aloisi there saying that he still feels like he's semantically this club forward and that is in line with the backing that he's received from the last in the last month or so. And he's absolutely right there has to be changes. What they are we'll get to later on, but something has to change after that. That's if that's not a tipping point, I don't know what is. And look one thing I do agree with in terms of a lot of the 
well, frankly, social media outrage we're seeing after this is the fact that words are cheap now. It is time for action. We've heard these words before. Yes. But last month we heard these words and nothing's changed. Yeah. yeah. And it's all well and good to say there are changes. And some of the quotes also about, you know, do the play, does, uh, talking about the player's attitude, I think is the right w- yeah. word that I'm trying to come up with here. Do you, where, how much does it mean to these guys going forward now? Is it? It's just down to pride. Oh look, it has to be something. There, there has there has to be something. And look, there's you know the the club is, at the moment. I think you know as a whole is hurting at the moment. You know, there's there's a lack of faith. You know, in anything that sort of that uh, that John Lewis is doing. You know, it's probably he's on the best of intentions. You know, he's he's trying to put the best team out there, but something is not clicking at the moment. And I don't know. I don't know if it's you know, underlying where the problem is so obvious that it's ridiculous. But look, as you guys said, it's a time for action. Words no, the the words are no longer resonating with the fans. And 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 look, and I know I, I had a big whack at them before, but I I like I said as a fan myself. I understand their frustration. Yeah. I think it's I think it's understandable. I think that you know they are sick and tired of this rot. You know, and I guess We're sick and I tired of this rot. I, I, is... I guess just one last point on that, and I guess that's you know the one thing that gives me as a fan faith about the, the fan base in general is that you know what, the moment they stop caring. The moment they're getting disengaged and they say just they just stop caring, that is when we're in a serious problem. Yeah. At the I, moment, yeah. at least there's still passion from the fans, and hopefully that message is getting loud and clear at Ballymore. That you know something has to give. I don't know what, but something has to. And in terms of Aloisi's job security, there, I think it is totally fair to be asking questions about it. I think so, yeah. But I still don't feel like it's a clear and cut direction yeah. either way. You have to set. You have to. If you're going to review the club, that includes everything. Uh, The review should start right now. But... If not earlier, but definitely now. I'm still going to stick with what I've been saying for the last couple of months in that Aloisi has gotten some stuff wrong this year, but I don't think there's been anything overly fireable. What I do think, though, is that without, you know, naming names, there are a couple of players that have... I I think we've named a couple of them earlier in segment one. But, oh, I'm just talking about in general... There has to be at least one or two players that have yeah. probably played their way out of the Brisbane yeah, rule so. for Performances the rest of this like season. like that is what gets a manager to the sack. And I'll go back to what I said. I said a month ago after the Perth game at home, start just before Christmas, that game, I said he's got a month to fix this, including the Champions League qualifiers. Now, those have gone wrong. Mm. So now if now is the time when you sh- maybe maybe things should be on the table. It's certainly think, brought up for discussion I again. I think everything should be on the table right now. It should what, be. Ta- what decisions you make, that's up to other people, but... It's a it's a fair debate to have. Yeah. Now, look, yeah. I'm still going to stick with keep Aloisi on because if nothing else, you've signed him for three years. I would hope that there was some sort of plan for those three years relating, you know, even to the biggest picture of getting through this year with split venues working at Ballymore and eventually moving to Logan. If it's still going like this, you know, give him the off season to get it right. Mm and bring in players that will hopefully show the passion that we're used to. At some point, losses and performance like this become untenable, though. Absolutely. I don't know when we get to that point, oh, but at I some point, you, it's going to get there. I've got, I've got a view on that, in that, at, at the moment, I think to, to sack John Lewis, all you're doing, unless there is a... Look, I don't think there's any, any coach in the world at the moment that can salvage this. And that's why uh, I think he needs and to stay. I think all you're doing, if you do sack him, all you're doing is kicking the can down the road at a cost of several hundred thousand dollars to pay him out. Because General Lewis is quite clear in that quote. He ain't quitting. 
No matter how much they get outraged on Twitter, no matter how much they knock on the door, and no matter how many walkouts or whatever, he, this guy is not quitting. So, so I think at the end of the day, to, 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 to sack him, it's going to be a very, very expensive can down the road because I don't think anyone that's available as a coach, and I don't think any coach in the world, it wouldn't bring you know, a good hitting or someone to save, save this at the moment. I think this is this far gone. If they're going to sack him, it should have been done if in If you're going to bring December. a new coach in, it's with a view to next season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then again, what's, what's the point? Like I said, I, I think that Jonah Lewisi has at least enough points to yeah. say, you know, you know what, he at least gets the end of the season. But I think all bets are off. The moment, if if things go completely pear shaped, I think all bets are off come April or May. Well, we're going to yeah. co- we'll cover that a little bit yeah. in segment four. The only thing I very quickly want to say is it does compare to Boxing Day 2010, and that was the last time we had a real proper clean out. Yeah. So maybe it's time for another one. And you but remember anyway. who the coach was sitting on that sideline that day? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And look, we're not going to say Aloisi is in the same tier as Ange Postecoglou. I think it's quite clear that Aloisi is still learning as a manager, mm. but as he pointed out. He's had some fantastic moments as raw manager, and they've just seemed to have been thrown away. And I reiterate, this is a fan base that had people calling for Mike Mulvey to be sacked on the way to the double. This had people calling for Ange Postacoglu to be sacked in the middle of a 36-game win streak. Yep. So, all, all because, all because it's a vocal minority. Yep. But there, at times like this, that vocal minority does yeah. pick up a lot more steam when the fans are quite disgruntled with the results. Mm. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of the fan base, do you want to move on to some of the interactions we've got over the last 24 hours through our yeah. social media? Because yes. we've got a lot to get through here. We should thank everyone for sending stuff in. <laughs> I'm not sure we'll get to everyone's today, but certainly thanks for sending stuff in. We'll start with the email from James Gray. And he's got four topics he wants to talk about. Firstly, about the squad. He says, it's an opportunity for a genuine clean-out. Lots, the loss of Broich plus most of the attacking players from last season, along with the older guys, has not really worked. He thinks it's time... The Raw need to go for a youth development style like Central Coast. And I'm totally on board with that because you consider how... There's, what, 17 players off contract at the end of the year. You're actually in a pretty good position, yeah. all things considered, well, with the squad. Well, this is why if you were going to change a coach, it would be a good time to do it because he could bring in a full squad of his own. But you're right, whoever gets the job next year well, whoever's gets, a, next year, gets a fantastic chance yeah. to change the squad around. So Anyway, uh, back room. Point yeah, three, I Scott. definitely think there's a, ch- there's a chance for some changes there. There's already one we know about with Craig Moore leaving. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more. There was an SBS point. story that's just come out about Craig Moore being yeah. placed on gardening leave. Yeah, no, yeah. Ba- basically, um, by, se- by well, not by sense, but according to the article, Dave Lewis from SBS. Yep, that's quotes uh, from Chris Fong. Yeah, Chris Fong's basically laid the blame on the Jersey fiasco on him. Look, to a point, yeah, that you know, being the football, you know, football director, you know, yeah, that, that's probably fair. But there's a few other quotes once to go in the whole article, yeah. but um, a few points that sort of I think contradict in terms and. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, make your own judgments, I yeah. say, on that Dave Lewis article. And then the only light-hearted moment from last night's press conference, I said, what, do you want me to do everything? Yeah. About the jersey, so. Mm. <laughs> and actually, the other light-hearted moment was, of course, the ACL podcast we produced on Sunday, and <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're getting invited back for any yeah, of that now, because we could be a bad luck charm. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we're getting invited back anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so maybe yeah. it's all our fault. Yeah. Uh, the only other part of it, the fourth part was about the owners. He says the hardest issue to fix, but where do we stand on this? Uh, is it do we need? Is a change of ownership the answer? Or is it well? Where do we need it? What where do you go with it? Well, I my big point is, you know, there are lots of calls for ownership changes, including from former club players and employees like uh, yeah. Eric Pardew. No, it was Milan oh, Susak. Milan Susak. Sorry, my mistake. But why not? 
is that going to give the immediate short-term fix a lot of fans are hoping for? It's not like they can come in and say, oh, Ronaldo's unhappy at Real Madrid, let's sign him as a marquee. And also, keep in, keep in mind, City have, you know, the richest owners in the world, Melbourne City, that is, yeah. and they are still an inconsistent basket case from time to time. Take a look at their streaks this season. There's, is there even one point I go beyond that? And there's this whole rumour, you know, about... I thought that was pretty about, extreme from me. Yeah, yeah. about Celtic, you know, taking over. Well, that was one of the I rumors, say please, be it? careful what you wish for. Because if you think that Celtic can come in, and I don't know much about the deal, but this is what I, I would envision that it would come out. They're not here to prop up Australian football. They're not here to be the, save, the messiah. They're here to fill their own pockets, you know, take the best kids yep. that we have now, new established academy, and, and play them in Scotland for their own benefit. And I would almost go as far as saying that they would then, you know, we, we would end up being Brisbane Celtic. And then, I'll tell you what, so you, yeah. you basically wipe out wipe out all history. And I'll like, be honest, I don't look good in green. No, I, I, look, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a Celtic yeah. fan. Yeah, why, why, would, why, yeah, why the Celtic I know, I know there's been yeah. people that have, have said that, you know, they, they would be against any game change because of, our, of the Raw's identity and all that. But if you're calling for them, and they, they seem like the most logical sound, you know, potential investors... Well, there was you the will, Russian link as well. Yeah. well what, if they were, as well. what if they were? What if the Raw were the ones bought out by Manchester City and City Football Group? Then they would have been Brisbane City with blue and white colours. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> that would have been interesting. Is, that. Is that, look, I'm, I'm not saying that. Look, the backries are, are great and all that. Far from it. But at the moment, I just, I just don't see any viable options. You just don't sell to the to to the highest bidder, even the yeah. lowest bidder at the moment. There's, you know, it's just well, they're not a, interested in selling anyway, so it's a mm, moot point. Yeah. Well, there's no interest in selling unless someone gives them yeah. the right price, which is like saying, well, yeah. I, I'm not interested in selling my car unless someone gives me a hundred thousand dollars. Yep. They gave. They want to basically recoup all the losses. And one point actually that uh, came up on Facebook from Ben Archer, as you know, I think that more importantly the question is, as fans, where do we go from here? Do we continue yeah. to spend money supporting owners who clearly don't give a blank about the success of the club? <laughs> do we direct our frustrations at John Aloisi? Do we keep chanting swear words at security till the entire den gets evicted? Now, that was an issue on Thursday night, which yeah. we genuinely don't have time to get into, unfortunately. No. But, yeah... David De Silva. It's a good question, actually. What, yeah. where do the, what, what stand do the fans take from here? Because I think there's some, there's some talk about some boycotts and all the rest, but it'd be very interesting to see what the fan base does from here mm. in terms of how yeah. they react. Because I think it's going to be, if they don't win in Gosford on Sunday, it could be a very interesting atmosphere well, for the again, City there's, game. I'm going to throw a tease for segment four. There's a point here that I want to talk about as someone's going past home with some sort of strange horn. Hmm. But, yeah, it seems to be the consensus is... Something needs to change, and it's either the coach, the squad, or the owners. So, again, that's all well and good to say something needs to change, but until we see it, it's. I think we're right to be a little bit sceptical. And, frankly, for the rest of this season, in terms of the A-League, it's just hope yeah. for the best. But what, what troubles me more than anything else is you've got club legends like Matt Mackay, who were... Quite it could on, be his last season, mate. Yeah. Go with a bang, mate. Yeah, well, that's what he said. It's a shame to see him go out in such poor circumstances when you remember how important he's been for this club from day dot. That iconic image after we won Orange Sunday on Orange Sunday. The equaliser. The equaliser. Yeah, Yeah, where he's just running around, hands in the air, looking up, going, oh my God. That's almost almost statue-worthy. 
Yet it's it's so it's kind of troubling to see him sort of you know deteriorate almost as a player yeah. to a point. You know, so, where you know, it's it's copying more criticism than good. In terms of frustration, you can see that in his game yeah. right yeah. now. Like he yep. he doesn't yeah. look like a man that's enjoying his football right no, now. He doesn't, no, exactly. But uh, that's the one thing I would say, you know, if you wanna yeah. get some goodwill going forward. If this is Matt Mackay's last season, and frankly, I'm just guessing here, but announce it now and give yourself the chance for the Matt Mackay farewell tour yeah. or just something because, look, I still like the guy. It's oh. been uh, He was a captain for what was the best season we've seen. And yeah, I just hope that, yeah. it do- that this doesn't yeah. wind up being what he was remembered by. Moving on to another couple of comments. One from Nice Orange is it's time to start thinking about building for the next season. I agree with that. Yes. I'm not even. I, I know there's ten minutes to go in the A League. I really don't care. It, seriously, would would what would making the top six do right now? Oh, it, would pay, it would paper over the cracks, right? It would paper over the mm. cracks yep. of a poorly planned season that ex, it been executed poorly. I generally think it it hurts, but I think the season has to end in thorough disappointment for the genuine change that need to happen to occur. I I don't think finals is actually. Would be even be worth it, to be honest with you. Well, because can you see the raw winning in the finals? Because no. second and six are varying degrees of failure. But I would just say, as a counter to that, depends on how they get to the finals. If they do it with the current squad, with a bunch of guys that aren't going to be here next year, then yeah, no, right, I'm a, totally. No, that's a valid point. And you know what? I'm going to I'm going to call time out on this discussion here. Yeah. We're going to come back to this in segment okay. four because we're actually going to about 40 minutes on the show already, and oh, we okay. actually have a much more fun yeah. discussion to get to in segment three, where we talk about the W League. Also, say thank you everyone for sending those comments. Yeah, yeah. That, we appreciate. It. We couldn't get through all of them, but we appreciate it. <laughs> there was a big way first too many. Of segments. Yeah. All right, we'll be back after this. This is a Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam, and we're going to talk yeah. about something other than the ACL yeah. right it's now. Time to talk about some other things. Positive. Power of positivity. Yeah. And the biggest positive to come out of the, uh, Brisbane football last week yeah. was the fact that the W League side went down to Melbourne and got the job done with a nil-nil draw against City. Yeah, Adam mentioned it right off the start. He said there's so much positive going on at the club with the W League and the academy and all the rest. It's just last night with the men's team sport. But with the W League, it was a really good performance. Mm. Away from it, I mean, look, I was worried about this game because this was the game I was looking at thinking this might be a slip-up. Because Melbourne City's in great form and it's a tough place to go, but it was a really good defensive performance. Okay, there were no goals, but it was a really stout defensive performance, which has set the season up perfectly for them now. It was uh, it was one for the purists, let's yeah. say. But look it, again, they got the result that they it needed. It wasn't it wasn't just a, it wasn't a dow or nil no. draw. You can tell you can tell that you know basically you had two very very good teams um, going at it, and there was, it was just it was just a stalemate. You know, um, they're both. Uh, both Lydia Williams and C's goal and, and um, Mackenzie Arnold, they were, they were they were too good for the attackers. So a nil all draw and look it sets it sets it up now because um, they go to they go to Adelaide this week with the potential if the results go away, they could they could be premiers. Well, if they win the game they will be premiers. I think yeah. it's Sunday afternoon on T V as well, so it's fantastic. Sunday, fantastic. Yeah, before the uh, A League game which oh, Adelaide versus someone I assume. Yeah. yeah. Either <laughs> We have honestly we haven't looked at A League Pictures for this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we've had a busy last few, yeah. week, last few days, by the way. Patriots, AFC champions yeah. once again. On the W, it'd be fantastic <laughs> if they can complete the job and 
and win the Premier League. It'd be, nice, it'd be, be nice for them. If I they actually, off. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I was going to say it'd be. A, I think one positive at least. Um, because I know that you know, given all that's gone with the men's that game, that game against City at Suncorp, if the women can actually march into that as premiers, it might at least give some positive. I mean, it might actually have the women have more of a crowd than the men. But. I think that's <laughs> entirely possible, actually. Well, but yeah, the one thing I would actually say. So, just looking at the ladder, so that raw women have secured finals yes. have, football. Yes. Because I think Newcastle played Canberra this weekend, and someone's going to drop points. And yes, that's yeah. exactly it. And also, just looking at that, Melbourne City's got to buy one of the last two yeah. rounds, which then means that and Perth have played their way out of the finals, which is why that game last month between Perth and Brisbane, we talked about top of the table, a loss for either side could really damage their season. All, it's, it's happened to Perth Glory. Yeah. Although Perth can still jump into the finals, but most importantly, it's, at the top yeah. is a side that we all like. Yeah. The highlight of that of the game against Melbourne, though. Far and away for me was Haley Rasso going down the uh, left wing, got to the byline and just stopped and sent the city defender flying. <laughs> that I, I watched that about four or five times because that turn was just phenomenal. Nah, look, that's the thing is, yeah, you know, there's a lot to like about this women's team, and you know what? If the fans are a bit disenchanted and yeah, you know, sort of a bit disengaged with the Royal at the moment. Forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, if you, I get it if you hate, if you're sick of the men and you're sick of all the dramas that, you know what, channel some positivity, I use that word again, you know, I sound like uh, Tony Robbins in a way, but you know what, there's still the women's team to back. Yeah. Now don't don't ditch the whole club when the women are doing so well, and they are a part of the club yep, too. They have, absolutely, and then, like I said, it may be the one shining light this club has this season. So don't just because you've got the yeah. you know you're, you're fed up with the men's yeah. side thing. Standalone finals coming up as well. So yep. and get out there and games. support. In all honesty, like just the one down note I want to have about this is I really hope the fans jumping on the W League bandwagon will actually stick with them and not toss them under the bus like they have the A League absolutely that's, that's a, and that's a fear but you know stick what stick with them the, the good thing is that you have a positive thing Raw Corps you know have, have been a revelation you know this season you know with support and all that and you know what get around that That's and, if, and if, if you if you try and look yeah. for something for the club to be positive about as a fan you know what that, that is it yeah. W well League well for making the trip down to Melbourne on the weekend too by the way absolutely yeah. it's a good effort that was really good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, anything else to add in? I suppose about the W League other than no, just... Good luck at the weekend. Yep. Hopefully, Actually, hopefully you secure the silverware. I did just find a point that I missed. Claire Polkinghorne, amazing yeah. again. So, I will say, oh. don't do what the A-League side did back in Season 3 where you had a premiership on the plate in Adelaide <laughs> and didn't bring it home. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, going to quickly touch on a couple of results. The yep. Youth League went down 1-0 to Perth Glory last Friday. We were all at work, unfortunately. Yep. So uh, there was a very good penalty save, however, from Macklin Freak. Yeah. It's his second this season, isn't it? Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, thank you to... I, I, sorry, I missed the name, yep. but um, whoever that took it and posted on our page, thank you very much for that, because at least we got to see something. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, look, Jade... Jade Jade North played 45 minutes in his return there, um, but other than that... I think look, they're now bottom of conference day as well. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a rubber It's a game. rebuilding season, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. And also, one other little thing, the Raw Powerchair team won the national championship with a 2-1 win over Wanderers, so congratulations to them. Absolutely, and um, just so one thing on that is, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that might be three national titles now for I'm not them. Sure. I'm not sure. I yeah, couldn't I find know any... they've won a few, but I will say 2-1 yeah, over the Wanderers. Two at least. 2-1 over the Wanderers in the grand final, James. I, I, I've heard that before somewhere. 
I'm trying to think where. I can't see. I is can't. that every grand final the Wanderers have played in? Mm. Close. <laughs> All right. So we're going to quickly touch on the news. It's going to be another one of those weeks where we just have to give it a bit of a 10,000 feet flyover. But we fi- have to talk about one big topic though. FIFA to visit in late February in the latest effort to sort out the Congress. Good luck with that, guys. Yeah. I just don't know why it's taken till February. Yeah. What don't they come back till? Also, Arnold's out. Soccer is reckoning it's probably going to be Bert van Marwijk. Yeah, what do you say? I'm not taking the Socceroos to Russia, which I think probably could have also had a second part of that quote attached, which is, you know, come see me in August when I'm being introduced yeah. as a Socceroos boss for the upcoming yeah. Asian Cup. Yeah. That sounds pretty much like what's going to happen to me. He wants to <laughs> finish look, the job off at Sydney and then and take look, a that's, job. that's not a bad thing. I think we've just quickly, we've said that before, that, you know, what we're, I think we're happy with a overseas coach for the next six months, but it's got to be an Australian coach yeah. beyond that. I don't, th- I, I can't I see... Don't, I don't yeah. mind if they're going to go for an overseas coach and appoint him th- through to the 2022 yeah. World Cup. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I also someone saw on Twitter last night. Arnold's a genius because he's now disassociated himself with a new coach coming in. If it goes wrong and they bomb out in the group stage, oh, I didn't have enough time to fix anything. He comes in after that. He's, he's obviously that's trying. Actually, that's actually he's trying to avoid the mistake of of uh, 2006. Yeah. But where he was associated with. With the with these that, that great team and then and then was passed the torch and then it bombed out in Asian Cup. All right. So then there was the FFA Cup draw for the start of the Brisbane competition. Yes. So uh, round two. Oh, round I don't two. see why it starts in round two, not round one, but they do. Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. It covers <laughs> three of the twelve BPL sides and all the Capital League teams. Nine BPL teams receive a buy into round three. NPL and FQPL teams enter from round four. Uh, UQ, Grange, Thistle, The Gap, North Pine Bayside, Albany Creek, Virginia, Centenary, and Mount Gravatt, mm. all on a bye. Notable ties, Acacia Ridge versus no- North Star, Scott. Yes, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I can't imagine why. Yeah. Brisbane Knights versus Annalee, Logan Roos against Ridge Hills. Yes, that last tie is actually really interesting because the Ridge Hills are just back into football Brisbane competition and it's Logan Roos' first game competitively in football Brisbane. They're a new club. So g- good luck to them yeah. as well as a new club. And big news in terms of youth development. On Monday afternoon, the Raw launched their academy at the QUT Kelvin Grove precinct. Yeah. It's Kelvin Grove? Yeah, Kelvin Grove. Grove. I don't worry. I, I, it, I've yeah. lost track of oh, no, myself. It's, it's been a long week, hasn't it? It really has. <laughs> Did you go there? Huh? Didn't you go there? I was enrolled there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. So Drew Sherman was asked uh, at the press conference, how does this all work? And we're going to hear from him now. Yeah, so obviously the academies are... Uh, I suppose our entry into youth development is the first time that Brisbane Raw have taken ownership over the development of players, uh, which is by and large been done fantastically well by MPL clubs up to this point. Uh, all of the players uh, with us are from a variety of backgrounds. Uh, we start the programme at under-13s and we go through to our under-19s, our current youth team. Um, and they've, they've come from all over, really. They've come out of churches football, MPL, um, QPL and BPL programmes. Um, and we, we think that we've, we've selected... I guess the best available players in Queensland and um, we'll be working now to, to develop them over a period of years. Um, we've, we've put full-time coaching team together um, to do that. And one of the big topics of debate was actually around the issue of fees for a lot of the people that are involved in the Roar Academy and this is what Sherman had to say about that. No fees is great. No fees. How is that possible? Um, well, through planning really. Through It's obviously been a 12-month preparation period to develop a business model that will support the academy. Uh, one, our costs have been kept low, which, which means that we don't have to pass that expense on to, to children and parents. Um, one of the big issues in Australia is the user-pay model. Um, and I think that if you're talking about investing in, in talented players, then you need to do just that and invest in them. Um, 
obviously we, we, we generate revenue through association with our, band, uh, our brand. Um, but as I said, for us, the key focus of our business model is, uh, are areas that aren't going to detract from the core business. And that's engaging more kids in football, uh, making it a positive experience, uh, and ultimately investing in what we believe will be the right thing to develop players. Um, from what I understand, like the clubs who are involved in this pay a fee and there's a bit of a transactional relationship between like what do they get out of however much they pay? I think it's 25 to 50. Yeah, so it, it is. It, what's in it for them? I mean, the club partnership varies. Um, firstly, nobody's forcing those clubs to get on board with us. Yeah. Um, it's completely open to them. Uh, we're quite transparent with that. We look to invest about $50,000 worth of value back into support. But as you said, it varies. So that's, I guess, the top end. Um, for that, for a start, all of the kids are provided with a full season ticket for 10 games during the 2018 calendar year um, to access the, the, the A-League, um, which works out about $100 a kid in, in retail value. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, we run uh, workshops for parent coaches in the community space, uh, we're down and around uh, every week in those partner clubs working with their players specifically on the 5 to 11s. We extend their season by 10 weeks by running a games programme during Term 4 um, and they, they have the chance to work with us to use our brand to generate revenue through uh, holiday camps and courses which are uh, for them to offset any costs that would uh, come back to us. And that was you know, at a very impressive facility. Scott, what was your takeaway from that? I think it's absolutely fantastic this academy, the way they've launched it now. I mean, they've got teams from 12s through 17s, as you heard, playing up one year. But I think it's I think it's one of the best things the club has done in a very long time. And the fees thing is really good because you hear all these horror stories from down south in particular where you hear kids being charged two, three, four thousand $4,000 a year to play some of these high-priced mercenary academies. It's ridiculous. So for the club to have make it so accessible, I think, I think there's a huge credit for that. And one of the questions was about why it's at QUT Kelvin Grove. Now, we saw this at the RSF Fan Forum yep. with Drew Sherman back in August. I think that video's up on our um, Facebook page if you want to go and watch it as well. It's around somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But they were talking about how it's a central location, so you've got, you know, it's there for everyone within 90 minutes, which basically covers to the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast. Oh, look, and that's the thing, isn't it? The... And one of the things, sort of, uh, one of the questions that we asked um, Drew Sherman that we didn't make air was uh, was about sort of the, the whole network. And and that's the thing is as well, it's not just just it's not just one catchment area that you know the raw sort of you know reached out across sort of across South the East state, and across the state, yeah, as well. And mm-hmm. look, at the end of the day, there is there is still going to be a bit of cynicism and a bit of you know suspicion about you know raw's true motives. But look at the moment. Junior development is so important, especially this club. The way things are evolving at the moment. This is the. This is you now we talk about you know highlights. This is probably the other big highlight at the moment. And, and you got to, look for the sake of the club. It's got to work. It's got to work well. And I think at the moment the grounding you know is all positive. So we'll see how it goes. You know, but and it seems yeah. like there's actually a lot of theory behind the way that they've planned this out in terms of they're going to give these kids as much match play as possible. Yeah. And they're so going that's the only to... thing showed is they've got the seasons, but they're also going to almost friendlies. Yes. To make sure players who aren't playing as much in those games have game time as well, because you want to. I think there's like twenty odd players in each squad. Yeah. So, so you've got to get them game time. And one thing I'm interested to think about going forward is what's the pass mark for this academy in terms of production? And I feel like if you can get two players out of yeah. each like age yes. group. Into an A-League squad. Into your A-League Prefer- squad. Yeah. Because yeah. that's... I'll, the rule. I'll quote the best academy in the world, Man United. They will... No, no they will... They, wait, no one else <laughs> had players for 80 years in their first team, right? That's number one. But 
They, oh, the Wanderers they, have they invented football? True, but they will they will be in a whole class for one kid to make it. So if you get one player a year entering your first team squad from the academy, I think that's a success. Look, I think I think pass a foul, yeah. pass the pass mark or or any way of grading it. I don't think we can. It's a short term. It, yeah. It's long term. Yeah, it will be ten years down the track where you know these kids at the moment do they come full, you know full professionals within just the A league if yeah. not going overseas and that's and that's probably the, the I guess there's always short term goals but the long term goals is you want to produce as many professionals yeah. and not just for Brisbane Raw if they go off and play for another you know A league club or yeah. another club around the world you know yeah. that, that's got to be a positive From I the academy point of view, if it becomes the preeminent academy in the country and obviously that's the goal then yeah and mm. look if you're looking at an terms of football in Australia, I think Sydney FC announced that they've got an academy in the works as well. Yep. It's going to be very, very important for these guys to, I suppose, learn from what the Raw are doing because they've been planning this for what seems like about 12 months now. I yeah. think all clubs have to launch an academy. I'm not sure what yeah. the others are actually doing about it, though. I know the Raw's is launched. I don't think anyone else has actually launched theirs yet. I, yeah, I'm not... I'm not I don't quote me on that, yeah. but I don't think anyone has. So. I can't think of anything either, yeah, but no. as it, it's... That is a great initiative, and you have to hope that, for everyone's sake, that it works out well. Because there's nothing but, better yeah. than homegrown players playing in the senior team. That's yep. and given the you know history of former raw players, I'm sure Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City are keeping a close eye on all the players <laughs> sure coming through are. as well. <laughs> yes. sure they are. All right, so we're going to call it up for segment three there, and look ahead to this weekend's game against. Oh, we're playing the Mariners. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Yeah, of course, because we, we, we uh, some players can't back up anyway, but um, there will be changes for the Central Coast game. Look, we were, you know, our left full-back position was a little bit... Um, uh, like Dane Ingham had to fill in because uh, Corey Brown... Uh, was tied in his hamstring, and then um, Conrad Tool had uh, something wrong with his toe, so we had to. So I'm pretty sure that both of them will be uh, eligible to play this week, and we'll see what decisions we make for that. But there'll be other positions as well. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review with James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Fan Network. That was John Aloisi after last night's Asian Champions League game, where he was talking about the changes that are going to be coming for Saturday. Uh, so we're going to start off segment four, just going through the basic game information. The Raw did, of course, beat Perth last Thursday night, but that was six days ago at the time of recording, and I'm guessing you've caught up by now. It seems like a lifetime ago. Though. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. The positivity, positivity walking out of the stadium then? Yeah, everyone was happy at fan camps. Yeah. And thanks, of course, to everyone that participated in that. Yes. But, yeah, it was... <laughs> it was a very long time ago, but at least you can say the league form's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So all I've got to aim for now. It better be all right. So Raw at Mariners, Saturday, 6.50pm, Queensland time, in Gosford. There was talk about this game needing to be rescheduled. I guess that was uh, wasted breath <laughs> in <Yeah>. the end. <laughs> uh, funny how things work out. But Gosford is a place that the Raw have got a great record, mm. according to the stats Scott has provided. Played 21, won 14, drawn 5, lost 2. Yeah. And all time it's against the Mariners, it's... 25 wins, 12 draws, 7 losses, which of course equals 44 wins. And those two losses matches. actually came in the same season. It was um, the season when Mar- Mariners won the championship. That was the... 2012-13. Th- yeah, that was the Rado Mulvey yeah. season. 
Madoka scored in one of those games too. That's right. It was they, a screamer. Yeah, yeah the the, fan, the way fans actually broke the fence. <laughs> that was great. Well, that was worth celebrating. <laughs> well, okay. Oh, it's mass mass Madoka scoring. I more than the fence have been it's broken. It's literally a collector's item. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So this season, the two sides played out a nil-nil draw at Suncorp in round five, which a lot of us have erased from our minds, apparently. Yeah, I can't remember a thing about it. Uh, that, no, but that's because I had a friend's wedding the day before. Okay. My game, I think I was... I you were overseas, right? I yeah. Overseas, yeah. That's so right. I'm, I'm, you know, worse than useless on that one, so... I'm not going to say anything yep. about it. <laughs> Move on. Yeah, oh, opened up there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. your comments too. So the LOC quote we opened with, talking about, there are going to be changes coming into this game. So looking at the starting lineup from Wednesday night, Scott, what yeah. would you change? Uh, a lot. Let me see. So Jamie Young, he's probably going to start in goals two, again, especially three, because four, now you don't five. have a midweek trip I to China was, to worry about. I would have six of those players not starting. I won't name them. Okay. Adam? I'm... Look, I'm the same. I'd probably, yeah. I, actually, I'd probably go... Stay in line. Maybe eight changes. Okay. Like I said, we're not going to name them, but yeah. So, over under, how many uh, people are going to show up to the game with tape on the back of their jerseys? It's actually the... I believe it's the Den Daniel Crusade. So, it could be more than you'd think here. <laughs> yeah. I think... T- if you're listening in Gosford, just stock up on some tape, all right? Because it's going to be needed down there. Yeah, go to... Bunnings, or, it can't be Masters anymore, they're closed. Yeah. But, yeah, go get yeah. all the duct tape you can, because, yeah. look, at times like this, oh. it was frustrating, yeah. but you've it's just got to laugh. It's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. Look, and, that, and if, if that's what gets the enjoyment of the fans, especially the away fans, look, you, they're, it's always, they're always a special breed, you know, the, the away fans. You know, if that's what gets them through and gets them enjoyment, you know what, go, go for it. I think, at the end of the day, you're right. All you can do is laugh, you know. We've, we've, had, we've had the serious side, yeah. you know, and all that, but... If we don't laugh, I'm going to start ranting again. So yeah, look, and I, I think I think Tara Rushton, I think tweeted earlier about uh, put your put tape. tape out. Yep. Yeah, we yeah. put our tape out before the show. Oh, we did, yeah. You check it out on Twitter. Oh, how can people get in contact with us oh, on yes. social media, Scott? That's right. Twitter at Raw Review. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter at Raw Review. Facebook Brisbane Football Review. The podcast is on Wooshka and iTunes. Email Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com and you can talk to James after fan games. After the, the, games, after the home games. games? Yes. Yes, that's I, right. You I remembered to mention that today. this time. I, I, I genuinely can't even talk today. Well, cur- it's a good thing we curse our yeah. beautiful new cards. Yes, <laughs> thanks for that card, because I would have forgotten half of that. Yeah. So. All right, so I'm thinking... Uh, I, well, one of the players that we will be interested yeah. to keep an eye on the status of is Corey Brown. Yeah. So in the post-match press conference, mm. again, it was said that he was on the verge of playing but felt his hamstring in the warm-up. Now, obviously, there are rumours going around about Brown's future, but it seems like, at least publicly, he is still being considered part of the club's plans yeah. for the future, so does he play? Uh, look, we've got, all we can take is face value what um, John O'Lissi said, and you'd expect him to play. He Apparently, he was, if he didn't get injured um, at training on um, on Monday, he probably would have started last night, so... Yeah, look, I, you're going to take your first back, but like I said, you've got to be acutely aware that there are rumours about his future. Yeah. Yeah. i got a strong feeling Conor O'Toole will play. Although he was also left out with yeah. an injury as well. I think it was announced as his toe? Yeah, something like that. Um, that. He's, 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 he's our... Uh, he stubbed his toe yeah. at um, I think he Kelvin Grove toe, on yeah. Monday. <laughs> yeah, uh, Conor O'Toole and Joe Coletti were at Kelvin Grove yeah. for the launch. And Did hmm. you want to pick up the conversation we were having at the end of segment two about the young guys getting a chance? Yes, so young guys getting a chance... 
I was just looking at the list of players. Now, we'll know more when the squad comes out tomorrow. But I was thinking, if you're going to go for the really young players, you could see someone like Shannon Brady, Daniel Leck, Raman Akbari, Nicholas D'Agostino. If fit. If fit. But in terms of a front four, if you're going to look for them going forward and see what they can yeah. do... I 100% agree with this, because I actually wrote down there's 10 games left in the season. Shannon Brady's played 30 minutes in three seasons. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but it's not far off, right? He's been in the first season for three years. It's time to see what he's got. Yep. I, I've seen his bag of tricks in the league, so have both yep. of you. He's got something to offer, but he's only going to get... to You'll only see that if he plays regularly in the A-League. So I, I think it's time to see it, and he can throw... You mentioned a bunch of the players there as well. I could mention Aaron Reed and get an opportunity, perhaps. Even Brendan White. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, Young could be fantastic, but if Brendan White's going to be the backup going forward, let's you, see what he's got. Well, it's interesting about that because, you know, about Brendan White, because at some point, Macklin Freak is going to get is going to be in the conversation yeah. as far as that once... You know, and look, and, he, and he's done... He's from MPL yeah. this time... Well, staying this time last year to now he has improved out of sight through yeah. development so he would be very close to you know almost making claims that num- number two assuming that you know yeah. that Michael Theo is you know, not going to be around yeah. for too much longer perhaps so your well, overarching point yeah. is it's time mm. to throw the kids in yeah. it's definitely time you d- maybe you don't go just completely over like just throw them all in but there are a couple of young midfielders that we've seen in the youth league as well like yeah. uh, Daniel Driver yeah, Daniel Driver's been around for a while. He could he could actually offer something that Christensen offers that yeah. solidity in midfield. Bryce He's not, Baffert's another one. That's... Yeah, Baffert's more attacking one. Yeah. Driver's more of the Christensen type who'll control the game, more defensive mind. I think that's actually a decent shout. Someone who you could look at at some point going forward. Yeah. If Again, he's been around the youth team for a couple of years. Adam Sawyer's another one as well you could consider. All right. So I did a little bit of maths today. Oh. And I've worked at... In, term, in the seasons where... There's been 27 games, so 10 teams in the A-League in yep. a 16 final series. The average for sixth place has been 30, 36 points, or 1.33 points per game. Right now, the Raw are on 16 points with 10 games to go, so they need 20 points from their final 10 games. Now, if the if the players that are going to be around for the future, now, that can include older players that are yep. going to be re-signed, so you would assume players like Bortiak and Jamie Young yep. or... Michael Theo, one of the two Hingit, goalkeepers. Hingit, guys, yes, yeah. of course. Devere. You want those... If those guys can go on a run and say, all right, we're building for 2018-19 and we've just produced 20 points at two points per game, so you're winning two out of three, yeah. that is a good sign for me. And that says that there is hope and finals would be great. Yeah, that, I, that's the point. Mm. That's what you were making earlier. I mean, I said shut it down basically and just play the kids. And I think that point's right. If you can get to finals with this, with a new look team, look building for the future, that would be fantastic. I think, I think we, we touched on it in um, second one, um, that I think at the end of the day, it's about the way you get to finals. If, yeah. Because if, if you're looking for a goal, finals, sixth place, fifth, sixth place is the goal. But you don't want to be going in, stumbling in with results, yeah. you know, other results, and you know, basically... Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. But if you feel like, say, if you can win seven of your last ten games, which will get you your twenty-one points, you get your twenty-one points. It makes it. It's not a normal yeah. season as well, by the way. That number is a, it's interesting, but it's a, there's a lot of competition for that sixth place. So it may be less than that. It may be more than well, that. Who knows? Well, let's just run through six place points for the last six seasons or so, where it's been uh, that much. So thirty-six points for the Wanderers last year, forty-one for the victory in fifteen sixteen. 
34 for the Raw in 14-15. You remember that. That was, was yes. Yeah, the asterisk. Yeah, that. okay, 35 points for mm. fifth place that year then. Yeah. Uh, Adelaide United, 38 and 13-14. Perth Glory, 32 and 12-13. Melbourne Heart with 37 points. And Newcastle in 09-10 with 34. So... You're looking at the mid-30s to get to Yes, the, yeah. and that'll be worth remembering, you know, when we do our season preview for next year, but I'm going to forget that between now and yeah. then. Yeah, look, Don't at lose that piece of paper. It, it <laughs> sounds like, for the Raw, the, the aim would be, you know, with a little bit of leeway, seven seven wins out of the last ten, and they could be playing finals football. And, that's, and that would be that would be yeah. momentum. There is a lot of tough games in that hmm. as well, because they've got victory away, I believe, Sydney away... But you've also got teams who you're going to come up against in the race for that, so it's possible. But there right. also a lot of away games as well, not many home games left, so you're going to have to do this on the road. Yep. All right. And look, it all starts with this game against the Mariners, which to me actually does scream that there is a great chance that they can get some points out if of this. If you're going to get 21 points out of the last 10 games, you've got to win this one. Well, I'm just looking at the Given Mariners' results. Against just going back, 1-1 draw, 2-2 draw, 2-0 loss, 1-1 draw, 0-0 draw, 1-0 loss, 2-0 loss, 1-0 loss, and their last win was the 3rd of December against Perth Glory. Wow. So, you've got a fantastic opportunity here. That's really interesting, because no one's talking about the Mariners just being... Yeah, this is what happens when I actually use my laptop while we're recording. Yeah, no, but it all talks about the Raw's poor form and Perth Glory's poor form. I mean, that's... And that is why, going forward, if they can build the momentum and get into finals, why can't they get into a top... Like, into a semi-final spot again... Because consistency, they've shown no signs of it yet. No, have, you're right. Raw haven't won back-to-back games all but, season, so I know I'm projecting forward to. Well, this isn't just the Raw. This is Mariners, oh, yeah. Perth, Wanderers. If any of them can get into a position where they shoot up the ladder with a few good games in a row, they could cause some trouble in the finals. Because you look at the teams that are going to be finishing second to fourth right now. It's the Jets and the two Melbourne clubs. They're not all that. Mm. Stable, like they're not exactly stable propositions either. Well, Mel- Melbourne victory are vulnerable because of Champions League. Um, City, look, they 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 blew Adelaide off the park, you know, on on Sunday. They're but that's to a but that's, but that's game yeah, that's their probably their their high mark. So yeah. look, it's it's get let's get the finals, and then I I think it's actually a new season. Other than Sydney yeah. being the constant, I think it's almost it's open season. Who can I, get there again? Though I I'd still say get into the finals with this old slow monotonous team papers over the cracks. If they're going to do it, it's got to be the way you mentioned with the younger guys. Yeah, and look, it could be a 50-50 mix of the... Yeah, oh, not all the young guys. You've got to put some experience in there as well. Guys like Devere, Mackay, Young. Yes. To help the young guys out. That's it's got to be a whole of squad performance, not just your best and oldest you know, 16. It's got to be right down number 23 you know, in, in the squad, you know, your young guys. It's got to be a whole of squad performance. It's the only way you can yes. do it. Uh, the, only th- the only point I would say is if you're looking to build goodwill with the fans... Mailing in the season and saying, oh, whatever, for the rest of, isn't the way to do it for me. I will say, throwing in the young guys might also be the best thing John Alessi can do to get some of the fans back on side because I think people want to see that. Yes. And if he gives them that, that might at least take the pressure off him for just a little bit. Mm. So, I'd, again, I would definitely be... I'm not sure we're going to see it on, on Saturday afternoon, but I'd hope to see it. I think you're going to see... I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple of players uh, that come in, but that's just me. Yeah. We'll have to find out tomorrow when the squads come out. All right. So, 
Let's get into the predictions for... Let's Scopettis as well. We haven't even... Oh, yeah, there's... We're for like an hour and ten. We haven't even spoken about Scopettis yet. That's right. So, Thursday afternoon, they announced Scopettis was leaving the Raw, which does actually open up a squad spot, which might be something we have to talk about next week, because I'm getting really hungry and want to eat. (laughs) So... Let's just get into the predictions, because, yeah. yes, compared to he signed with the Mariners, probably see him on Saturday. Probably start, actually. But mm. anyway. Mm. Anyway, uh, I'm going to predict a 2-2 draw in this game. Scott, what I'm are you taking? i go back to the old favourite one all. Adam? You're go. actually on a three-game uh, correct result thing in the league. Ooh. so Got the best consistency going on. Well yeah, done. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say Raw 1-0. I think there's going to be a reaction. There has to be a reaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was... Do I want thing done a siege mentality? I expect that to be built in yep. the next day or so from John Aloisi. Yep. Around the playing group. And look, if he and if you're going from the comments we've been playing in the press conference, you would hope that behind closed doors he's saying to these guys, Look, I've got to look after myself here. You have to look after yourself here. Let's just try and get into that self preservation mode and finish strong. Speaking of self preservation, if he's on a three game winning streak, can we get someone else to tip for him next week, please? Well, Someone, he's going away soon. Yeah, hey, Somebody's going to predict 8-5 or 17-2 or something like that, Well, please. we might have to find some guest hosts while he's yeah. overseas. Yeah. Someone who's going to stitch him up. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, given the scores, it wouldn't matter much yeah. anyway. Hey, hey I'm, I, can, I can mail him in from Dubai. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. If you've stayed with us this long, thank you very much. Yeah, we yeah. hope you've enjoyed what was a very long show. Yeah. Good to see you, James. Adam, yeah. see you next week. Scott's dozing off there. Yeah, it's been a long week. Mm. Uh, we're going to be back next week with a show as per usual where hopefully we've got some good A-League news to talk about and some good W-League news and everything else. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Get out and enjoy the football this weekend. We'll talk to you later. This has been the Brisbane Football Review.